All right. Folks, we're back. All right. Um, uh, first off, uh, we have, for the first time in this podcast, I believe. This is or, the first one. Or did we yeah. miss a week when my dog got attacked? We did not. We still did it. We did it. We did a sad podcast. We did a sad podcast. Okay. Yeah. So for the first time in the history of the podcast, we missed a week technically. But I would like to, you know, because we always talk about how this is a little bit of our, like, accountability test and, like, our follow through here. Yes. And I, I, I think it's important to say we didn't actually miss recording the podcast. We did record we it. We recorded a podcast that was, like, entirely unlistenable. It was bad, y'all. Um, Basically, we got the flu. It wasn't COVID. We we were both sick. Um, yeah. Our we based on the drive back. We got the back, classic flu. Yeah, from uh, New York. We were both pretty sick all of a sudden the day after. No, two days after we played the show. Yeah. And um, we went clubbing. We went to the gay club, gay bar. It, we uh-huh. were out clubbing till very late. <laughs> it was very fun, and uh-huh. um, you felt the illness enter your body. That's what I said. I just yes. felt it was on this packed dance floor, and I just was like, There's, "I am ill. I am. I have caught something." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was. Pro- I was like, "I'm probably catching COVID," just because it was really everyone was packed in, and and then didn't get COVID we though. We both tested negative, um, and I had the, the sniffles and the 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 sore throat you were i mean i vomed yeah you vomed and notoriously i don't get the stomach things with the flu right so i think we can process of elimination here flu i think we got the flu anyway so we recorded a podcast last week while we were both like extremely ill yeah and and it's just it's 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 First off, it felt like it took hours. It was it's like 20, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. And it's just 20 minutes of us going like, music's good, right? <laughs> like, just horrendous. Yeah. I, I, I went to edit it, and I was just like, this, we cannot, this Can't is not for it. people to listen to. But maybe if you email us, we could send, if you're like, I want to know. I want to know what it sounds like We can send like you the flu cut. Release the flu cut. fevered out. Um, individuals <laughs> to form sentences. Yeah, no, it was um, it was bad content. So, um, executive decision. We didn't release it, even though um, because we we want to talk about the same artists that we yes. we want to talk about them with our full faculties. <laughs> so here we are. We're back. Luckily, um, both of us felt better by the time we had the shows this weekend. We just played two very fun shows. One was a, a fundraiser for Spread Art, which is an awesome, if you're in the Detroit area and don't know Spread Art, they're a great um, arts center where uh, musicians rent space and there's a lot of like collaborative interdisciplinary uh events that happen yeah. there and they're just a great place to know about it's a really good hang heck if you're not from detroit you can still go to spreadart.org and yeah like, and find out 10 bucks find out what they're doing and contribute yeah they they do great things to support arts yeah that detroit. show was uh the fundraising show that was like the most fun i've had in an event in since pre-covid for yeah sure i mean all my just, favorite people yeah yeah really talented people um all kind of leaning into their experimental sides, I think. Yeah. People that I that do a range of 
things from like straightforward jazz to pop to they all kind of get to lean into their more experimental sides when they're at spread art. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's like, the freedom of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was awesome. We got to play the DIY street fair. Um, we were playing on the night of Haley Hendrix, but that also included uh, the Flowbots. Uh, who I sadly, sadly missed. I did really actually want to go see them, but I right. heard rumor has it that the Flowbots are actually phenomenal live. That is what we've heard. That I heard it wasn't even just handlebars; like that they yeah, were great. That they were just All, a gr- great show. Everyone said that. Yeah. So if the Flowbots come to your town, it, go see the Flowbots. Their flow is immaculate, according to those that were at the show. Um. I'm Summer Krinsky. I'm Scott Murphy. This is I Don't Heart Radio. And this could be your next favorite band. All right. Who All right. is the band? We're talking about <laughs> Olivia Barton. Cool. All right. Let me pull up Olivia's record. Yeah. So we listened We listened to this in our flute out state. It sounds better. I mean, I thought it was really nice then. Yeah. Oh, it, it was very, it was very soothing. Uh-huh. It like took us to, uh, uh, you know, to nice relaxation town for yes. sure. But listening to it again, like not impaired, yes. I was like, ah, this is very good. My yeah. ears were like all popped then. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, this this is some nice music. Now I'm now I'm uh, really absorbing the lyrics and the whole experience. Oh, uh, the lyrics really are so it's good. Very pretty music. Yeah. So the record that is coming out is called This Is A Good Sign. It's going to be out on November 4th. There are some singles out right now. The lead-off single is I Don't Sing My Songs, which is like my biggest recommendation from this uh, from this group. They're all very good, but I Don't Sing My Songs as well gets you hooked. Yeah, and that, that's the one we were just uh, yeah. we were just listening to. So, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's like beautiful... Um, kind of like it's an easy to listen calming i think that's why you chose it for our flu time yeah um but the the lyrics are very uh they're heartbreaking they're sad yeah Yeah. uh it's just it's the it's a really accurate chronicle of the life of a musician where you're struggling you're balancing the hustle against because in order to have the freedom to make music you have to do odd jobs like it's kind of like I think that everyone, as you go through your twenties, you're kind of this is what you're weighing. Like I need to be able to take three months off <laughs> at any to given tour. time or to, to tour make or to album. make a record. Yeah. So I can't go work for uh, Amazon like uh, executive suites or something because they're not going to give me three months off. Yeah. I have to be a pizza delivering Uber uh, server that, and I'm balancing seven like gig economy jobs and I'm figuring out when the good drops are on my, on my app and like all that stuff. Uh, And I mean, I think this song's a little bit about how you can get lost in that. Exactly. That's the weird thing is we like, we think that the gig economy gives us more freedom I think you and I have like a lot of. Ex- I think we yes. both have a lot of personal identify and identity wrapped into what the lyrics of this song are about. Um, because it's uh, we. I mean, we've both exper- experienced working gig economy jobs f- that suddenly you're like, "Holy shit! This is my entire life." Your entire life, and you and and it's you find it hard to drop. 
to leave to do tour or to focus on music and it's like wasn't that the point well it's strangely <laughs> addicting it is, is the thing well so we actually listened to it's funny in our we've this has been sort of the theme of our flute out state because on our drive back from new york we were listening to a podcast from uh, uh radio oh, lab cl- radio lab we were going like yeah. deep like um, old I think, school. Yeah, we well, we had gone. We had uh, somehow we had dis- run out. Well, of, yeah, we we loved true crime in the car, and we I think out true crimed ourselves. Oh, we were like this. <laughs> I think it was because we were sick too. We were just like we this can't too deal sad. with the sadness. So yeah. then we were listening to Radio Lab, which it turns out the world is also sad. Oh, you know, so sad. a lot of them. But the, one of the interesting ones was about um someone who was an immigrant worker oh, or was he he was trying to bring over his family he was yeah. from america and he had a family in china he was originally from hong kong oh really okay yeah yeah he he had he had moved like uh in early college okay gotcha and, and then, then he yeah. was trying to bring over his family but the the point was he he was working um as, as a lift driver yeah yeah and then he did doordash and basically the story was about how he he made the money he brought his family over yes at what cost he got super addicted to it like they just described it as an addiction like oh i have to like be on my phone i have to be watching the the fares come in and like look for surge pricing and stuff yeah because basically they gamify yeah and everything is gamified in that even if it's not like like i think those apps are specifically designed to be gamified so so that if you know to to incentivize um driving at the times when right they, they most need you so that the app is more useful to people but so, at what cost well i i think that that is the that's the interesting thing is that this guy that basically in this it, it it's an example of something kind of taken to the max because he like i, I guess we'll just spoil that episode is that he um he brought his, his kids on a delivery and yeah. someone stole his kids. Steals his children. Yeah. Like his car gets jacked with his kids in it and he because he goes because he goes for his phone because someone's going to steal the phone. Basically, he chooses his phone over protecting his kids. He ends <laughs> up getting the kids back. But uh, yeah. it's just this crazy story of like the level of addiction to the, the moment gig work. He's getting interviewed and they're like. Do you want to tell us what the conversation with your wife was? And he was like, I, I decline. Like to. I, I decline. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I can't revisit that. Yeah. Just, that was my first. I was like, your wife hates you. How could you? T-? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but. So, but that's the nature. I, I think that it's uh, to a degree, you know, that's an extreme example. But when you get really into gigging, because you're on the hustle, you're on the grind, it takes over everything. Yes, absolutely. And and it was a choice that you originally made to be like more free, to uh-huh. have more flexibility. Because you can you can drop those gigs. You know, you could be like, oh, I'm not gonna do it for a month, but then Yeah, like if you're not an employee, you don't get the benefits, but then you also get the benefit that no one can tell you like you have to be here this week you can say i'm well yeah I'm not, but then you I'm become your on. own boss right then there's a little boss in your head uh-huh be like why aren't you at work yeah come on check your phone <laughs> yeah and i mean um i think differing degrees that 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 example was a full phone phone driven situation yeah. but like even the the gig work we both participated in was doing like live sound where you, people start to depend on you even though 
even though you aren't. It's like, I don't even work here. Yeah. You don't even work there as an employee. You're not salaried. But the people that are salaried um, or own the place or, you know, they are uh, depending on your regularly being around. Yeah. And and so it becomes this catch twenty two where and it's you... like why why aren't you here why can't you be here and it's like bitch put a ring on it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right um it's become the thing where like uh you know I think that it's already maybe bad that we are getting tied to salary jobs for healthcare that right. maybe isn't the the best uh, way of arranging our lives but now they're like what if we were able to tie you without any what promise? if it was just emotional yeah <laughs> what if we what if we just had emotional leverage over you yeah my bar won't make it without <laughs> you yeah and i mean it's it's weird because you can have friendships that uh, are you know it's it's good to like the people that you work with that's nice For sure. but then you get caught you in get caught what in this the emotional song is leverage. about which yes. is i i have, don't sing my songs anymore yes yes um and i and and, and it's uh i'm i'm going to misquote the lyric exactly but it's not just i don't sing my songs anymore it's that i focus on money so that i'm not sad about it yes oh yeah. All I think about is money. Uh-huh. Is the is one of the lines. Yeah. So I mean, but that's I think that like watching your bank account grow. I mean, I sort of have a song I'm working on about that. It's called Savings right now. Maybe the the song will name will change, but it's about, you know, watch watching your bank account grow. Depending on your goals, it's like what why am I doing that? <laughs> what is this for? To what end? Yeah. Not that money can't help with everything, but right. we also have a limited um, time. time. I guess that's the big thing we're always fighting against is like the limited resource that is time and, and your existence. And, and you don't know how much. Nope. That's the biggest question mark. And if the, if the point of doing a million jobs was is to do maximum cool stuff. Yes. And maximum freedom. Yeah. And then, oh, there hits the point where you're like, you're watching your bank account grow, but sometimes you're sometimes you're just watching it stay the same because you end is, up buying. Oh, stuff you just because you're, you're sad. Yeah, that's you're a, sad. a you specific. You, it's you're, very you're, specific. You, me. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that a lot. In that, both both of us have sort of changed what we were doing since the. I buy way less stuff. You do. I you, see you, it. You notice, It right? used to be every time I came over, Scott would work. I mean, we both were doing a lot of gig work doing live sound and other random things, but live sound is the the main one uh, at many venues around town. And you would be, you'd work a crazy weekend yeah. where you're just like running from one to the next, like morning thing, set up a conference, evening thing, set up a DJ, you know, don't sleep, work yeah. a techno show till five in the morning run to the like work all weekend like crazy and then you just have a million <laughs> amazon packages arrive of like new shirts for your dogs uh, and yeah uh, well that is very cute it is cute but i have enough shirts for my dogs you have many shirts for your dogs <laughs> so but it's just the thing because you, you're sitting at the gig because you're at like hour 27 <laughs> of a work week uh work weekend and i'm just sitting there i'm like i'm sad as shit I think my dog would look cute in this shirt. Right. I'm going to buy it. Uh -huh. And then 
you just you do all this work and then you're like i have hit net zero over <laughs> over this weekend because i was too sad right yeah well and then the the you often buy as a as a musical person you often buy stuff that you want to use for making music yeah like a new pedal or a new synth and then you're like when do i have the time to play with this right there isn't <laughs> yeah well, and so I mean that's sad. I guess is like that. That sounds sad. But both of us have recently, um, over the course of this last, we did some quiet year. quitting. Yeah, yeah, we did some quiet quitting. I mean, that's partially, honestly. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but that was part of starting this podcast. It was like a a uh, a deal that we made. Yeah, that we are going to put our energy focus our energy into the things that we love to do and intentionally try to uh find music that excites us and motivates us and um also make it a regular you know because the thing is when you become your own boss as far as working on your your projects sometimes it's strangely harder to motivate yourself than if your phone was dinging you telling you to go deliver a Grubhub yep, order yep, yep. to some man on the other side of town who's going to tip you like in a with an old shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. I think it, like self-scheduling, you know, as people call it, it relies on scheduling. Like you have to commit to hard – like hours of operation yeah in order for it to be successful and sustainable i think that's like a huge mm -hmm. uh, mindset thing yeah i mean and so there's like a lot i mean for for making the our personal situation i don't know i think that it's a little interesting to talk about because i think people oh, yeah. don't like bring back the curtain behind what they're doing like some people are doing art full-time and they're just getting like money from their parents right and well that's Fine. fine that's fine but i think there's a obfuscation of what's happening a lot of the time because oh, or the the articles where it's like look at this young couple at age 28 they uh own a mansion in yonkers by the you know uh -huh. uh, and then you get into like you know seven paragraphs in and it's just like a small seven hundred fifty thousand dollar loan from yeah their parents. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> yeah which like whatever but right. that isn't one i mean here it was like uh applying to bajillion grants which mm -hmm. isn't that isn't always going to work for you know that but that was the uh seed funding to quit some jobs and try but i guess the the thing was the uh getting a little chunk of money from grants uh to to be able to step away from work yeah uh, gig life gig life a lot of people wouldn't do the step away cuz it's not enough money to be consistent no so there's always there's a certain risk that I mean, not even there's a high probability that you'll have to just go back or find a new uh, way of making money when it runs out. But there was a moment where we both decided that, like, the the right decision was to put all efforts when we have this, like, small uh, when there's a savings moment. Instead yeah. of just adding to the savings, take the savings as a way to f pay yourself to work as though you're going to the job that is your passion. Exactly. And, I mean, 
I don't, I mean, that's a hard, that itself is a hard place to be at <laughs> or get right, to. Right, right. But then I think it's, it was, it was strangely hard, I guess, is, this is, I'm just like rambling, but th- it was strangely hard to leave, to make that decision about not doing gig life for a little bit. Yeah, so we had to make a deal with each other. Yeah. Where you would leave gig life and I would wake up before 10 a.m. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. And part and of that, that was, was a big doing... sacrifice on my part. And part of that was, yes, Scott likes to stay up very late. Um, and I know that my productivity hours, because I, I, I mean, another, like, if you're an artist and you're trying to figure out, like, how to arrange your life and because i think that we're always rebalancing as artists we're always yeah. trying to figure out how to um make while also not dying <laughs> and if if you're trying to figure that out one of the like very helpful tools um that someone said to me once is just fi- figuring out the the time of day that you're most productive and making sure that whatever your if you're doing gig life or whatever whatever your other stuff is that you have that time for making, for creating, um, and then let <laughs> let your other work or wh- whatever else you're doing happen in the time where it, it isn't your like key part of existence. Yeah. And I think that can mean different things for different people. But for me, it was just a specific realization that I am the most on between i don't like to eat a lot of people like to eat when they first wake up i don't like to eat i like to drink coffee on an empty stomach i don't think you're supposed to do that hell yeah but that's what i like to do i like to wake up drink coffee and then not eat until like like a little later into the day and the time between coffee and And eat eat is my highest productive time it's only downhill from there for some reason once once i eat food i'm like (laughs) blob (laughs) I'm a blob, but I've realized this about myself. Are you still so, trying the sugar thing? I am still trying the sugar thing. All right. Yeah, I'm still trying. Well, so I'm trying to experiment with, um, I think that a lot of us, as we start to get older, uh, we try to experiment with, I, I mean, a lot of my friends have done like more intense, like different dietary restrictions. I, I just love food. Right. But my biggest love is chocolate, and I, I'm definitely addicted to sugar. Yes, chocolate in specific, sugar in general. Yes. So I wanted to figure out how to not take away the chocolate love. (laughs) (laughs) But also I noticed that I get exhausted after like my big sugar binge. Yeah. Which happens once at least once a day. Right. Um, So I'm trying to do 70% and up uh, dark chocolate as my only like sugary intake basically for a month. See how it goes. Just doing a little experiment. Yeah, I almost broke say, yesterday. Now that you like, uh, I, I'm I'm very into the whole thing. But you just did this whole spiel of like, okay, I wake up, I do stuff, and then I eat, and then I just can't do anything anymore. That sounds a little bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, a little diabetesy. Uh, well, that's why I'm worried. That's yeah. why I love sugar. Anyway, yeah. the point is, um, I've <laughs> the point is. That I'm uh, trying to figure out the most productive times for yeah. creating. And it was the morning. Um, and then you were you don't wake up till a certain time. So our deal was we're, we're working on this podcast and we're going to um, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the deal. And do stuff in the mornings, um, which we have. And but but and then maybe I will with this new 
round of experimentation. Maybe, maybe we become I will, even more productive. Maybe I will become even more productive. But I think that is the... Um, I think these things are interesting to talk about because it's just like, how do you make it work? Um, I, I, we've been making it work. Like, yeah. we have been and making it work. Well, it's the, the quiet quitting of gig life in which there are, like, we have been working on things for people, but we've only been doing, like, high-rewarding, actually yeah. well-compensated work. Yeah, we're still doing mixing, mastering, recording, but it's, a you know, we're working with people whose music we love, and we're, um, yeah, we're only taking the gigs that are good. Are good, yeah. <laughs> the good gigs. Uh, so... I'm really happy that we did uh, a self-help diversion. Yeah, sorry. Let's, we're gonna go back into that song. Uh, just took me. Oh, I mean, to that's lots the thing. of places. I guess it's just really been the 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 topics that it is ca- talking about in the lyrics it, of that it song. It makes me very... feel so many things, which I yeah. think is like what a good, um, like kind of this does veer into kind of folk territory. Um, yeah. but it's got, it has modern production and like melodically, it kind of feels like it's coming out of Philly, uh, with like the way that the, um, the melody constantly kind of like flows over the downbeat, uh-huh. which is like the, I know what you mean, Yeah, that that's a very, but she, you said she's from Florida. She's from Florida mm-hmm. and has relocated to Nashville. Okay, cool. So it's kind of like, we got some Florida stuff happening. Uh-huh. You know, Florida content, <laughs> uh, but then paired with like Nashville sensibility and production, which I think is a very interesting pairing. And yeah. That's what's like making this happen. Um, and all of the content lyrically, it just makes you, it's so down to earth and relatable. Like it's what, it's what country music is supposed to be. You right. Know? Like <laughs> I am experiencing very real and honest feelings when I sit and listen to this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the whole point here. Yeah, I think there's a it's I, that's an interesting because it does do the con the country like um the like tell a story that I uh even you know that I find things in my life that are exact parallels kind of. And I feel like country music has become so just like Oh, right. I mean, not to, it's just garbage time. Yeah, like pop country, obviously. I, I mean, is I, it, I have a ritual. But, Every four months, I turn on like the local hot country station yeah. just to see like where we have descended. Um, well, okay, first off, two things. First, I'm checking the production on uh-huh. it because the mixes are great. Like they have to be. Yeah. Um, that's where all of the money is uh-huh. for like production yeah so it's like okay what are we doing what are we doing with production all right that's pretty slick cool and then the second part of me is like where have we fallen as a species um i mean there was this was this was a couple of years ago but you know i tune in and it's just the the chorus is i'm getting drunk on a plane and like (laughs) i was like all right i mean maybe that's relatable i mean i guess it is yeah but also garbage time yeah (laughs) at least it's not i feel like some of them i've just heard like you know it's like sexualizing the truck oh they do want to fuck the truck why do they want to fuck the the truck yeah is that is that the car that's car pussy trussy 
truck? Cussy. Cussy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but I felt personally the same um like emotional relationship you're supposed to have to storytelling narrative, you know, through song uh-huh. to to this song from uh that you just showed us that I felt far more of a connection yes. than uh in any of the you know right and and country, country music folk music is supposed to be like a direct connection with the populace right you know yeah and so i would say I mean, maybe the populace does uh, I, i'm i'm not trying to take away the reality that there's there's a significant amount of the populace that does want to fuck their truck because we do live in the Motor City, and sure. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen, some... I've seen there's a dr- thing called the Dream Cruise here in Detroit, where um, <laughs> just miles people of just, truck it's just miles of truck fuckers. Just <laughs> they truck come offenders. from far and wide. They drive old cars and they sit on the side of the road, <laughs> and then they look at other <laughs> people's look cars. at other people's cars and talk about, you know, how they want they all want to fuck each other's cars. No, it's they like, don't say it, quite like that, but they do. It's a I, real hot truck. It's implied, I feel. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so you're not taking away from the truck fuckers experience. I would. But we I, should have our there. own. And Olivia Barton mm-hmm. is our own folk country hero. Yes. We don't want to just gig economy to death. Yes. That's crazy good um yeah yes i i think that if you are listening to this podcast i have a feeling you might uh, oh you're gonna love it with this one is yeah. uh yeah i think that the demographics are coming in uh for the i don't heart radio listeners and uh they're like you know they're millennials working seven jobs, <laughs> so you're gonna love this one. Uh, which, speaking of which, if you love this podcast, you should share it. Yeah, sharing it on your social media makes a big difference. We see you guys doing that. We really, really appreciate it. Um, your individual connections do matter. That's how things get a groundswell and grow uh, into having more of a, a reach. And also, it matters if you give it five stars and follow it. Yep. Apple Podcasts. They have charts that makes a huge difference. Five star, follow it, um, leave a review, and also Spotify if you follow in stars. I think you it, can do stars once you, you listen to like just, an hour. Just get us in there, you know. Put us we- in the algorithm. <laughs> so, uh, and if you have a band or an artist that you think deserves some more attention, you can email us at I don't heart radio pod at gmail dot com. Subject line. Truck fucker. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, we're the. Oh, uh, we're sure. We've got fast brain today. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Uh, okay. So share, follow, subscribe, love, all of that. We're gonna get into the back half. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, you know what? While we're in announcement town, yes. I got one more thing. Give us. Well, it's just that. Um. Uh. I think it was good when we were. If you like us. Uh huh. The two people you're listening to talk. We play in a band called Summer Like the Season. And that band w- is doing some shows coming up. Uh, we are going to be playing in Alpena, Michigan on October 1st. Um, there's a festival happening at the Black Sheep. And then we are also going to be playing on October 30th in Indianapolis at Healer. Yes. Um, so if you're in any of those places. Come on out. Yeah. let's. We'd love to see your faces. Okay. 
Okay. Ha- back half. So what's our what's our second topic? Where Olivia is releasing her album on Snack Shack Tunes, mm-hmm. which is a new label put together by Illuminati Hotties. Yeah. Who great very band. Very, very, very cool. great. Yeah. Um and this is it looks like it's kind of the f- I think it's the first non Illuminati hottie release on the out al- the label. Uh-huh. So cool. And I, I did a little digging onto the label and I uh when I had the flu, I was like, I think that there was something with like Illuminati hotties like not liking their original label. I don't know. It turns out that it's fascinating. Oh cool. Well so, and I think it's worth mentioning too, Illuminati Hotties uh I think like a really amazing mix- mixing yep. engineer uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, does really good work. Fan. So, there is a whole Stereo Gum article about Illuminati hotties breaking up with their label. Okay. And we're just gonna do a live react to it because it's good. <laughs> uh, subject line: Illuminati hotties break free. What was um, the label? Tiny engines. Okay. And uh, this is a Stereo Gum article. It came out in 2020. Ian Cohen wrote it. So I'm attributing my source as we will be pulling from it heavily. Uh, Sarah Todd's in on the mixtape she made to ransom her new album from her old label. Um, At any point during 2018, do you remember thinking, man, it doesn't get any better than this? it's basically Illuminati hotties. They fucking killed it uh, from 2016 to 2018. Kiss Your Frenemies was on all of the top lists. Uh, she like self-produced it. She crushed it. Uh, and then everyone was just like, we love this. Uh, they did gigs with, uh, gigs with Pup, American Football. She quit her job. Uh, and then she all of a sudden started working with Macklemore. Uh, she did stuff for the Hamilton soundtrack, Hell you know, yeah. like the greatest you could possibly do. Um, they released their second LP on Tiny Engines. It's a, uh, you know, they were a hip indie label, uh, label of the year on many lists. And uh, according to Tudson, they were gearing up to have another year like 2018 where all of a sudden they're on Hamilton, you know? Right. Heck yeah. Um so in November of 2019, I believe, uh, Adult Mom uh put Tiny Engines on blast on Twitter, uh detailing years worth of inconsistent accounting, withheld royalties, and an irresponsible lack of communication that amounted to breach of contract. Wow. As to be expected in a public beef that pits artist versus label, most onlookers reacted with outrage towards Tiny Engines before the conversation became more complicated. Were Tiny Engines crooks or just another revered indie label that had gotten in over their heads once money started coming in? Which, like, fair, if you're just starting something on, uh, you know, like, out of your basement, and then, uh, like accounting is hard you know it's like people have it as jobs Uh and most of the times like if you're a like a small label or business or whatever you don't have an on-hand accountant so you know that's charitable but also people are uh you know crummy i think we're about to find out 
Was the practice of diverting money from top earners to sign baby bands a scam or just a standard business practice that looked far shadier when it was finally exposed to the light? Were the terms of their record contracts exploitive or fair recompense for tiny engines taking the risk of signing unproven bands and financing in-house PR, worldwide distribution, recording advances, and vinyl production? Regardless of where anyone stood, tiny engines had accrued far more goodwill than money over the past decade and wouldn't be able to withstand the complete public liquidation of their rep. But that didn't mean that tiny engines would cease to exist. Co-founder Chuck Daly says over email that he would have liked the label to continue with a reduced release schedule, but he told Tiny Engines bands that they were free to explore other options. However, there were still contracts to fulfill and incoming revenue that needed to go towards prior manufacturing and promotion costs, not to mention the bands who were owed royalties. Uh, Take a look at the uh, Illuminati Hotties Twitter and find a Tiny Engines link still in the bio. Uh, some acts like Empty Country and It Looks Sad were able to publicly divest themselves from the label and Longneck bought back their masters with a successful Indiegogo campaign. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a whole lot of, yeah. these are all just indie bands trying to, trying to, uh, and you know, this does suck. Yeah. I mean, it's such a complicated world. One, there used to be so much more money in it. So we're all fighting over scraps, and I think that that's the wrong attitude. As I say yeah. it, um, I think that that is the attitude, and I think it's the wrong attitude. I was just kind of, oh, man. Yeah, I was just kind of uh, talking to a friend about this, about the idea that, like, the the thing that is magical about the creative economy is that, um, yes, you need gear to make things, but uh, uh, making art is... Un- in like an unlimited resource right as, because imagination is unlimited like any other industry there's you know a limit to the right. amount we, of we run out of helium eventually right exactly yeah. and you have to get you know you have to acquire those things from the in there's just like once you have the base um things to just like you have a guitar which you can yeah. make art without a guitar you could just sing and and hit trash cans on the street. You could be Josephina the mouse. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, once you have, you know, the base amount of things, you can just, there's an unlimited ceiling, which is beautiful. And it means that there's, the art economy can grow huge. But, I think that power has made people have the opposite reaction where they undervalue art creation um, which is foolish because the amount of art uh, like opportunities sh- can Should scale, scale as yeah. the art economy grows. That's how. But good old monopolies, <laughs> right? But and so then there's this. You mean monopoly large labels? Yeah, right. And which is part of why this podcast is named "I Don't Heart Radio" well, because iHeartRadio has ruined the radio. Large labels <laughs> and just like large media conglomerates. Like, yeah. I, I I think that. Like, ne- the decline of Netflix is such a perfect uh, I- example of this, uh-huh. I think, because, like, Netflix started, you know, as, like, a upstart, yeah. you know, like, oh, we're going to, we're going to, like, take out, we're going to disrupt, hashtag disrupt the industry. It did. It a- certainly it did. did at one point, yeah. And 
and then it became they, the industry. It became the industry, <laughs> and the thing is, is that how they disrupted it was by doing a creator's first payment model, right? Where they just they invested everything into just like making stuff, making good content, making good content, yeah. and they have been tightening. They've just been going like pure austerity just uh, for the last like I think like three or four years, and it's gotten so bad yeah it's 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 gotten so bad and then the ads and all that shit um coupled with the um i think that there's this like defining moment where um the first time that um net neutrality came into play Mm -hmm. in like 2018 yeah you logged into netflix and um you couldn't get into netflix without like going to a petition like their homepage was a petition to um, keep net neutrality, and that's the um, you know. I think we have to go full divert then and explain net neutrality because oh yeah, oh, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I'm not sure everyone remembers the SOPA of Pippa, you know. Right, right. There was a there was. But a, I think it's are, a, I think it's old. one of the most important things like I that we've so ever too. gone through that we've ever uh, yeah. lost. As a, I mean, it's completely. Oh, it's a huge loss, and it's um, reversible. But it's, it's it's human being individuals that versus uh, like the biggest corporations. There is no individual that understands fully um, what that was about and supports. Right. Net neutrality. Right. No individual would. Um, it, 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 those that did, I think, were painted a flipped picture, and they just took it out of the hands of people. I mean, it, basically, it's making it so that... Uh, uh, well, we used to be governed... Like, the internet used to be governed under the policy of net neutrality, mm-hmm. uh, in which service providers could not... Um, Slow, slow or, or speed, speed up, up the bandwidth yeah. from like individual websites, right? Like in a nutshell. Uh, and with the reversal of net neutrality, it's made it so that um, individual websites have to pay uh, an IS uh, like a Comcast or Spectrum or whatever. Um, they have to pay a premium in order to be accessed at the same speed. Um, as other websites, in which a nutshell. means that then the websites that have a huge budget, like Netflix, can have faster speeds and make it so that a new YouTube or a new Netflix has no chance of getting off the Zero ground chance. because the amount of money it would take to compete is, I mean, it, already with like obviously server space, there's like so many things that would be limiting to compete, but it makes it impossible. Yep, and it's kind of like the loudness wars of web browsing, where. Even if it's, like, we're talking, and then the thing is, is that, like, sometimes it gets obfuscated in, like, oh, well, it's only, like, 50 milliseconds slower. But the thing is, is that, like, it, it makes the that psychology of the human, like, 30 if you... milliseconds is when you start to hear a delay. Yeah. Like, you're, that's a huge. It, yep. it makes it, you know, when there's a little delay on your phone, which I am currently experiencing with a broken phone, people are, like, I, they talk to me, they say one sentence and they go, I, I can't have this conversation. They hang right. up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, effective yeah it's (laughs) that's how i get everyone off the phone with me um no yeah it's uh it makes it a unpleasant experience yeah it's bad users so all of this how are we tying this back in we we came from illuminati hotties leaving their label it's It's just it's the the amount of it's the fact that like there is uh there is more money in entertainment 
um, than ever before and more options to make money. And yet. But because the money has concentrated into like four mega conglomerations, there is no um, there's no competition within like no healthy competition within the industry that you're either you're either a mega gajillionaire or you're fight like this is this is like adult mom and long neck fighting over like what is probably five thousand dollars yeah i mean even if it's more it's still minimal compared to like yeah the the yeah it's it's uh but i mean not to take away importance of this because right artists because getting their y- you money you do have to have good faith agreements with people and that is um that is important and if people have had like their shit stolen that's obviously bad or if someone has been uh you know that's bad but i think that the larger conversation is the fact that this is this is fighting for scraps yeah and it doesn't and it shouldn't be and i think that the that's because of we've all been trained to have this really competitive spirit in the music industry. Yeah. Um, everyone's just basically feels like they're, they, everyone feels like they're fighting over scraps. And so they are not supportive of one another. Um, anyway, so is this a story of support? Did, uh, Illuminati hotties leave in solidarity? What's going on? Yeah. So, Eventually, the two parties, that being Illuminati Hotties and uh, Tiny Engines, they came to an exit agreement that allowed Tudson to buy out her Tiny Engines contract with a cash settlement and a payment of royalties on a future project. Um, The owner of Tiny Engines is quoted as saying, in the grand scheme of things, it's much, much less than than what we would have made if we had released the new record, but we respect Sarah's need to move on. Um, Tudson referred to the buyout as the most tail between my legs things I've ever done. Um, so no, this is just sad. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So both people are not. This was a lose lose. Wow. Yeah. The label feels like they got paid out like a relatively small amount of money. Uh, and Illuminati hotties is like, hmm, this was a sad situation. Yeah. But it has birthed this new label. It has birthed the new label us. that has given us Olivia Barton. Okay. And this record rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can go check out this. Uh, the Stereo Gum article is Illuminati Hotties Break Free. There's a lot of. <laughs> it's a nice title. There's a lot of Twitter dragging here. Uh, and Is the Twitter dragging in more in, an, in the adult mom conversation? It's... Or is there just. It's everyone dragging everyone. Wow. Yeah. Everyone's dragging full, everyone around? It's a full d- dissolution of uh, of goodwill. Man. Which, again, this is like, uh, Tiny Engines is a small label. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, I mean, it sounds like someone, uh, they feel like they were, it sounds like adult mom feels like they were Oh, they almost totally... certainly didn't get paid their royalties. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like... That's bad. That's terrible. Yeah. That is, you know, it's like that's... <laughs> fighting over scraps doesn't mean you need to steal a scrap. I mean, that's where you've become... I, I think fighting over scraps is a bad t- bad uh, right. mind state, but then stealing s- scraps is a, obviously even worse. <laughs> um, Yeah. Well, it's hard to flip the mindset 
Yeah. Into thinking that helping that w- into thinking that opportunities aren't limited and that if uh independent musicians are uh actually just trying to help each other in a network that it can actually help everyone. Right. I think because it's like well, it's hard because what you're going up against, like, where are these royalties coming from? It's coming from Spotify. Yeah. You know, and Spotify's agreements are basically that no one gets money except for Drake. Yeah. I mean, they That's set. literally, yeah. They have, they set the, um, the state, you know, when the payout standard is set by the, uh, like, 1%. Yeah, it's not going to be great for <laughs> <laughs> for the majority of yeah. Creators. Which again, so I, I I do I do feel like yes, stealing the scraps is bad, but I think that the bigger conversation is the fact that like why are they scraps? Yeah, and um, you know every every single like actual metric of like how much money is going into the music industry the music industry has never made more money yeah well i think that's actually crazy though like people don't really think that people think because rec- record sales i didn't think that i think you yeah. found that stat somewhere yeah and i was like no no way because everyone thinks because like no one there's buys, more people buys music anymore. yeah but there's more people right and there's uh there's a model in which there is more money being paid into it yes uh but it just doesn't distribute well so here's the question then i mean because i think that it's like what can people do and I'm going to say that one thing you could do is share this podcast. <laughs> you, you could, leg- it would legitimately change shit. I, I just think that we feel so powerless because the structures that were, um, the structures that we're sharing our creative endeavors through are outside of our control. But those structures rely on your networks. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't use Instagram if your friends didn't. Maybe right. you would use TikTok because that doesn't actually re- rely on. It doesn't rely on friends. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is kind of interesting. It is kind of sad. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I need a. <laughs> maybe this takes already. I've d- debunked my own take, but I I do think that <laughs> it, it is there is still an you know if if no one was using it it wouldn't be an interesting platform. Right. Um. It it's the uh diversity and like largeness of how many of the population that uses it that makes these things uh useful and so that's to say that you have power and that your network has power and sharing not just this podcast but also the music that you like that isn't maybe on uh it's not being played on the radio sharing it with your friends sharing it um on your Instagram story or your, uh, you know, just like being the network of distribution is being a node in it, I guess. Yes, a node. And not doing it just like occasionally. Doing it intentionally when you find something that moves you is um, Well, it's a powerful powerful. act. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, I think that, well, it's just that, and again, this is, I'm such a like internet historian, I guess, because I've lived on the internet for 35 years. Um, 
not that old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're not even three. You were on the you were on the was, internet for a few years. I pre before. well, no, I became unstuck in time. I see. That's that. That's how much <laughs> internet I've consumed. Amazing. Uh, but the thing is, is that it's like the destruction of piracy destroyed the notion of um, like a distributed network. It's still out there, my friend. I, I know it's still out <laughs> there, but it's not nearly as. We don't yeah. have as many cedars or leechers in the game, but let me tell you, <laughs> we still sail the seas. I know that the seas are being sailed, but it's also, I, I mean, you ha- looking at the top down, I mean, they've arrested like so many of the, it's the true. major. It's not dis- as yeah. um, easy. Well, there was a, there was like a legal crackdown on it uh-huh. and like debate the, you know, nature of piracy well and it's funny that you bring it up as the positive yeah because piracy is what you know napster is what people say ruined the music industry yeah but it wasn't right Uh, i agree i mean it it ruined the model in which um, well and that was an exploitive model it was in a different way yeah (laughs) Uh, so it's you know it had to be taken down um because like that was the um like to go like full boomer that that's why Tom Petty called an album 999 mm-hmm. uh and Tom Petty RIP was a good one he was a uh, one of the best boomers and uh there was a whole thing where the standard was that albums cost 999 mm-hmm. and then in the early 90s Sony went like well what if it was 1999 and also all of the existing contracts have artists being paid out from the nine ninety nine, mm-hmm. and that extra ten dollars per hours that's just ours. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, it was shit for artists, and it was shit for the consumer. Yeah, you know, it's just like a a unnecessary overhead placed on, and then it put like a barrier of entry on like children buying albums, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So it's greed at the top. Yeah. But it has reformed in a way that I think is even greedier at the top, no? Oh yeah, it's more it's way more efficient. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it it's masterful. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh so but the thing is, is that I I think that when piracy, Napster and all that was happening, I think that people got like intrinsically interested in like a decentralized network. As yeah. as a philosophical concept. Well, and and that was what it was called, peer to peer sharing. Yeah, you know, um, which is just like you, you and your friend. It's just an internet term for you. We just you. have friends. It's, it's just that it might be your friend is anonymous. Your friend is now someone you might not know their face or their name, but it's a peer to peer network, which is kind of. I mean, that is a beautiful and super, super powerful. Yeah. Concept. And I think that that scared a lot of people. I think it scared a lot of people. And I think that that whole concept got absolutely bastardized by um, centralized control. Control. (laughs) I I mean, that's uh, that even goes down to I mean, like Facebook is just centralized, you know, social interaction. Instagram is centralized social interaction. Facebook is Instagram. Yeah. They're the same. They're the same. (laughs) And the. That That's how whole... centralized is your two examples are, are still actually the same. The same. <laughs> and I think that there was just 
outside of piracy itself, just the fact that you could communicate and so you could exchange data and you could host, like you could host entire packets of data mm -hmm. and that the that's the best way that the internet can work is just uh, a series of decentralized nodes sharing information. That's how you're going to get the most diverse uh, like uh, art views experiences is from a decentralized network. Mm -hmm. And as we have moved into something that is increasingly controlled and centralized, we're like discouraged from feeling like we are a node. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it just seems like uh, when I see something, it's like, oh, why would I share this? It's just going to go to the algorithm. Uh -huh. and, but the thing is, the algorithm is, is us. You. Yeah. <laughs> and we are right. still decentralized nodes, and we all have the ability to be a node. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the fact that we don't know the exact, um, you know, w like, we... we don't know the exact parameters of the algorithm, oh, yeah, and yeah, obviously yeah. It's very the algorithm is a yeah. is a very um one that's zoomed out. Each platform has its own algorithm, and we don't know the we don't know the parameters, and we and it also changes like admitted from the the creators of algorithm for Facebook, you know mm -hmm. it, that it it changes. Um, and well, they it's don't like, necessarily like. Are we gonna wait the algorithm to horny or angry? <laughs> I think it's just like what the weekly meeting is. <laughs> well, uh, I I don't think it's anything. Like I think that the, there's kind of like a shrouding of it of like ooh the mysterious algorithm. It's like well is are people like paying more attention to something because it's making them angry or are they horny? And we'll just change it like week to week. <laughs> All to say, um, showing things to your friends is you being your own little powerful node. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you are. We all are. We all are our own little powerful node. Um, and so share Olivia with your your uh your, friends. your fellow nodes. Your fellow nodes. <laughs>